Welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and wellbeing consultant and the proud host of this series. I'm delighted to be joined this week by Colin Begley of Leash, who during our conversation officially announced his retirement from the Inter-County game. Colin made his senior debut in 2005, but life soon took him in a very different direction. That direction was down under, when he secured a professional contract with Australian Football League team Brisbane Lions. Colin's rise through the ranks of a new sport was remarkable, and he was voted Club Rookie of the Year in 2007. The Strad Valley man played for four years in the AFL before deciding to return home. Back in Ireland, he enjoyed 12 more years in the blue and white of Leash, and learn the importance of developing Colin Begley the person as well as the athlete. Transition was a key theme throughout this episode as Colin reflected on life lessons gathered from experiencing two elite sports. He is now the player welfare and engagement manager with the Gaelic Players Association. This podcast is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas, life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. But for now, please sit back, relax and enjoy the player's voice with Colin Begley. First of all, Colin, I just wanted to say thanks a million for joining us on the Players Voice podcast. I suppose to get us started, what I wanted to do is I wanted to just take you all the way back to when you made your senior debut for Leash, which I believe was in 2005. I want to just kind of say, what were your memories of that? It's funny, like people always ask about your debut and I know some players would have it off the back of their head. I, I couldn't remember which what game it was or who it was playing against. I can't remember the year I started playing more so. And I think... Um, Having had successful minor years, you know, you're kind of flowing from one to the other. Um, and Mick O'Dwyer was coming to the fore then for Leash, so it was an exciting time to be involved with the seniors. I think it was myself and Paul McMahon who were, were playing that year, 2005, when we lost against Dublin in the Leinster final. Um, and what, what I remember from it was, like, obviously, as it still is today, but it was a huge deal. Like, you know, I remember going to the change room, being at McDonald's, Tom Kelly, Joe Higgins, were over the heat, you know, and... There's a terrible photo of me going around sitting in a car with boot cut jeans because that was the style back then. But I remember it being like, you know, intimidating enough still at that stage, um, despite having had successful minor years. But uh, yeah, the energy then, because Mika was there, was even heightened. You know, even some of the players have been in for a while um, because of the, I suppose, inspiration he brings and the excitement of, you know, he's done this before with our counties. We recognise we good players. Um but it was tremendously enjoyable. Um, I was definitely looked after. The younger players were looked after in some ways. Miko liked the younger lads, myself and Park, I suppose, were brought in and he, there was definitely an arm around his shoulder, which wasn't always there for every player, if I'm being honest. But um, do I remember all the games in the year? No. I, I remember the Dublin Leinster final. I remember the Armagh, I think we played Armagh in the quarter final of the years too. Um, or even around before the quarterfinal, and we were up by half, up a half time by five points. We were dominating, and then typical Armagh of that generation era. They came out. They actually held us outside the field for a bit longer, and then came out and just just trampled over us, bullied us, you know, because they were a great team. But um, 
I was fortunate enough to mark some quality players back then. So that's something I remember too. Like I remember against the Dublin guys, I think it was um, I marked Brian Cullen for a while, I marked Jason Sherlock for a bit, and I marked um, Mossy Quinn. They were the three guys I marked, you know, and out of all of them, probably Jason Sherlock was probably the hardest. Now, probably because we was further in, but just kept on moving constantly, you know. Always looking for the ball. Brian Cullen was a very smart player, like, and was getting a lot of ball, but he wasn't as dangerous maybe out the field. He wasn't getting as much scores. But um, from then, like, it was only a few years I was involved in it until I got the opportunity then to go to Australia. So my senior intercounty year at that stage was, was brief enough, but had a, a lingering impact, I suppose, as regards the players I played with, who I was playing against. And also the desire that if things didn't work out, or if they did work out and I got to come back home, that I'd like to represent Leash again um, at some stage in the Inter-County jersey. So it was, um, I was very fortunate, like, to be fair. Um, there's a lot of young good players coming up and I got a chance and I didn't mess the chance up. <laughs> like in some games, I probably played an average game, but you know, you get away with it sometimes um, because of the players that are around you. So I was lucky enough to get it, a go at it and thankfully got to stay there for, for a bit of time. Yeah, and like jumping all the way back to that stage, Colin, and I know you mentioned Australia there and we'll definitely kind of loop back around to that in a little bit, but like sticking with with that time window, like you come through, you mentioned the All-Ireland minor success there, which was an All-Ireland minor title in 2003, right? Um, so you like, you've come through those kind of successful underage teams, which in Leash would have, I'm sure, captured the imagination of the public, kind of really heightened the sense of like, I suppose, expectation and hope. Um, and between that experience and then going straight up to the seniors, like did was being a leash footballer, was being into county footballer something that like captured your imagination and captured your attention from a young age and something you wanted to do? Yeah, definitely. Especially when especially when you had that success in the minor, you kind of got a taste for it, you know, and, and we had we were very lucky. We had the year we won the All Ireland uh, and the year after we got to the semi final in the All Ireland and we lost to Kerry, but you know, we had a quality team and we were playing against quality players and we thought, as you said, hope was a good thing. You know, I think people thought, well, this team now will go on and we could be hopefully pushing for all Ireland's in the in the senior, which doesn't always happen, as we know. But it definitely gave the players there a taste that they wanted to go and compete and taught themselves um, we could go on and win all Ireland in the senior. That group definitely did that at some stage down the line. They were successful in some of their twenties that wasn't involved in on twenty ones. Sorry, back then. Um, so there was even more hope that the progression was moving in the right direction. Um, but for 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 me, when you're playing the minors, like and and like I said, the the massive buzz around the, the county when it happened, and it was great to see that happening again this this last weekend for the hurling. I think it was around thirteen thousand or something at like the minor hurling against the final two. So you know, it's great to be part of that because. It reaches out to the community, reaches out to the people around you, family, friends, and also it's just a great buzz for a young person, you know, like we had some great memories and, and, and times then, and some great friendships that have thankfully continued on uh, from that. You know, it's, you do build a lot of friendships in county. I think more so now, there's probably less, there's probably more time with your county team than it was back then. Um, so you could build more bonds, even with lads from rivalry clubs. So friendships now are probably stronger in counties, I would think, in some ways, or definitely larger reaching for the overall panel. But for us, we had a very close bond to all our players. We were together for a number of years. Sean Dempsey was our manager, John Mulligan, Sammy Byrne, loads of guys who were over, brilliant mentors. Um, and they had created a real tight bunch of players, which I think you'll hear from most minors or from any team that does successfully. 
that there was a quite a good bond and click. So um, yeah, I, I, lo- I loved it. It was it was an amazing experience, and it definitely gave guys a taste to, to continue on. And fortunately for me as well, like my club Strably was a parish at that age, under fourteen upwards, up to up to minor, and that we were successful enough club too, which which helped. You know that definitely. You know if if you're involved in a club that's doing well, also it can help you continue on to maybe play senior and and, and get noticed. So um, it was great. It was really enjoyable, and like I said, a lot of good memories, a lot of a lot of, a lot of fun ones that we have chats about. As, as I listen to you talk there and in some ways it must seem funny to like reflect that far back like 17 years ago it must feel like a lifetime ago in some ways does it and like obviously we're going to talk through your experiences in more detail and fill in that timeline but just kind of jumping back to that point it, like does it does it feel like a lifetime ago when you say 17 years it does um no it it, it does feel like a lifetime ago um and you don't get really much chances to kind of think back in it as much, you know, because you probably focus more on it now. But um, should it, it was it was a massive lifetime, and even in between that, there's been different lives and different stages. Like the one positive thing I'd say that hopefully comes across in this conversation is that um, even though I've probably been involved in sport predominantly, my life's been involved or wrapped around it for for most of my life. I haven't weighed on it as in leaned on it as in the only thing that I've had, the only personal identity I want to call it, or only focus of my life I try not to even though it has been um, so you know, it was a brilliant time for me and an amazing memories but it's not the only thing you know I suppose it's important so um, when I think back on it nothing but enjoyment for it great times some good memories um, and some good friendships too but uh, I suppose I just have to keep it back in the head now and, and focus on what's going forward and what's here and now which uh, sounds a bit cliche but you know, it's it's nothing to be said about, and, and I'm glad I was part of it too. You know, um, it's something I'm very, very proud of. Yeah, definitely, and I mean, and you and you should be, and I suppose like as I'm listening to you there, and you saying saying 17 years playing, and like saying it's it's not all that's in your life and having other things. I suppose the obvious question is, and the elephant in the room, like does does that mean you're kind of at a stage where you're ready to let it go? Like, are you planning on playing many more seasons, or where where are you at with that? Uh, no, I, I've actually uh, unofficially I've retired. I, I kind of actually did it this this well this year. I had a conversation with with Billy Sheen. It was when you get to the stage of 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 I suppose my age, um, or, or the amount of years you've played, and you obviously every year nearly is kind of consideration whether you're going to go and play again next year. And there's a few different factors involved. Um, for me, it was want to play a few a few years of, of niggly injuries, um, which definitely affects what your decision making is going to be. Um, but also, like I said before, probably a consideration that there's other things that have maybe taken a back foot for, for my life in some ways. Relationships, whether it be friends or personal or, or, or even different hobbies and, and, and different things you want to do, travel. Um, so at the end of last year, I kind of had decided that was kind of it. I had a chat with the lads over a few pints a few days after the last game and had officially announced it to them but there was obviously a little bit of consideration and I'm waiting to hear and the manager Billy came in and I met Billy and, and me and Billy obviously were fortunate to play together and excited to see what, to, get, to hear he's given me a chance to go at it um, and I spoke to him about where my head was at and to be fair to Billy he, he said listen have a consideration for it if you want to be a part of it you're more than welcome to be a part of it I'd love to have you here but if you don't that's fine too you know and 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 I actually remember him saying as well, like, I kind of told him, I don't know if I'd be fully invested in it if I went back into it. 
and he said, well, if you weren't, you know, you're better off for both you and me if, if you're not being here. And, and that was exactly right, you know. I said I decided to, to leave and, and he was very, very supportive of it. And, and for me personally, I kind of knew it was the right decision to, to, to step back away from it. I've been very lucky too, Alan. Like I've had good experiences. I've had bad ones too, obviously, in county as it goes. But I've had a long enough career. I've done different things with it. I've played Sigerson. Um, I've been in all divisions <laughs> from one to four. I've played with a real good bunch of players from different generations. Um, so for me, it was it was an easy enough decision um, in so, in most respects. And I think, thankfully, uh, it wasn't fully being a county player. wasn't well, all it was, you know, it wasn't my full identity. Um, look, I'm too technical about it. So, so far, it's it's not been too bad. I've I've played a bit of golf, a bit more, and got to kind of build, rebuild relationships with people, a bit more time to myself and to family. Um, so that's been enjoyable. And people have asked me, do you miss it? You know, because I haven't been playing the last while. I said, so far, I don't miss it enough that it would change my mind. But seeing the lads playing championship, obviously, in different games, you wonder, could you have an influence? And that, that comes across. But for me, I think it still seems like the right decision was made to step away from it. So um, I haven't officially announced it, really. I, to be honest, I had planned to do it early in the year. And I just said, oh, I'll put up a little post or something like that. But... Just didn't bother then in the end and kept on putting it off and putting it off. And then I thought it wouldn't be a great time to do it before a big game of Leash River. So, um, but now I just said, I just let it out. You're, 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 it's a, well, first off, Alan, you're getting the, the pleasure of having me <laughs> <laughs> announce it here. I'm sure it'll be massive news. Like, <laughs> yeah, I suppose, like, but like, is there, what's it, I suppose, first question, what's it been like this season then watching the season roll on and not be, in the group or in that bubble, how has that been first and foremost? A few things you probably think you'd miss. So the buzz, well, the, the connection with the guys. So like obviously you have good friends in there and, and you regularly, because of playing county, you get to see them a lot. Um, that's something I was worried about, but there's definitely been a few lads I've probably lost touch with a small bit, but there's the, the closer guys I know or if I have known for a while, I've, I've stayed in touch with you different ways. So that's that's positive. Then there's the competitiveness, you know, wanting to play for your county. Went to watch, I think barely I went to watch a game and it wasn't difficult, but it was a little bit kind of frustrating, kind of wondering, could you be out there adding value in some way? So that was part of the reaction to it. But but again, I didn't find myself going, oh, did I make the wrong decision? I think I kind of knew I made the right decision for myself. And I think once you make a decision, you just have to stick with it. And there'll be pros and cons for it. You can weigh up anything like that. Um, but I kind of felt like, no, do you know what? From what I'm getting back and from what I've lost, uh, I think it's a better decision for me to make. Um, I think then as the year went along, to be honest as well, being a step back into the club was, was really positive. Like having that as a little bit of a fallback. I don't mean that fallback and positive, but like, you still have that competitiveness, you still have that engagement with players, you still have that structure of training and stuff. Um, and we're excited enough, we have some young players coming through and we're trying to get ourselves up to those top players, top teams in, in Leash as well. So um, that was good to have, you know, to kind of fall back on to, to maybe get some things you were missing out on from county. Obviously not to the same level as regards, I suppose, intensity and so on and so forth, but enough for what I needed. Um, and we've new manager on board too, so that was that was positive. And then one of the other questions I have for you, Colin, just based like, on what you've been saying to me there. Um, so, so over the years, you know, like some players will come out and immediately announce a retirement. Um, some will just kind of fade away, and you could be it could be two seasons later, and someone goes, "Whatever happened to your man?" Um, or to or, or to herself. 
Um, I suppose what I was curious about is, is kind of not doing that publicly or not projecting that out. Has that made it harder in any way to get full closure? Like, are people, have you still got people saying to you, like, are you about this year? What's your plans? Or will you be coming back? Has it made it harder to, to get closure, if that makes sense? Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. I know what you're saying. And, and we were actually always kind of, we've had some players who've retired and we we'd, we kind of say to them, you know, so sign off in some way. It's kind of something they recommend, even in all sports, that they try and get some closure for it. And, Move on to the next stage. It has to make it harder for me. I don't like. Otherwise, I would have done it. You know. I think. I think that's why. If it was something that was annoying me or something that was in my head, I would have just kind of went and done it. I think it's important, and that's like even part of this is good to get it out and speak about it. And 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 I'll have probably some form of a. I'm not going to have a big long statement. I don't think I. Like, I don't think I need it. I still want to maybe say thanks for everything and, and move on. But but I think um, it hasn't. Some people have asked me, "Are you coming back in? Are you playing?" Most people who have asked me that was early on and I've spoken to them. Um, so it's kind of been dealt with in some way, you know. But I think um, some players react differently and some players need to have it. Some players, it's important for them to maybe state it and say it. I don't think, I think some players don't do it and, and maybe it lingers or it's something they wish I had done. And I know people are telling me, Jesus, make sure you, you know, say something or, or kind of mark the occasion of some sort. But different ways of doing that, you know, and... I'll mark it in different ways with maybe close friends and family, whatever. But again, I've been kind of fortunate enough too, Alan, that I've kind of been able to finish on my own, relatively on my own backing, like on my own decisions. You know, I think when players are forced out of the game or or just doesn't go so well for them and, and, and they don't, haven't had a chance to play at the level they wanted for the, long, the period they want, that's when it's really difficult, you know. And for me, like I said, I, I, I thought about it, I had time to just make a decision and I did it. And and to be fair to people within within the county who know and they've been very very kind with their you know thanks for all you've done and I think that's a, I think that's massively important I think it's getting better too I think um, recognition from from people within the county not to say in fans but even county boards and, and managers and people involved in that area you know I saw Carl Craig got awarded a jersey there during a game for the number of games he played or something along the lines of that and his retirement was well recognised Mickey Quinn for I think 100 games as well I think um, people might say they're added, you know, it's a small thing but a small thing matters you know when the player finishes up playing their career and at the end of it they may ask what was it all of, what was it all for like especially if you're in a mid-tier or lower tier um so sometimes a little bit of recognition from people about that saying like I think a simple sign I think Kenny do it as well I think they sign the jerseys from all the players and they commemorate lads and those things may not seem as important at the time or saying like they obviously are important and great but I think as you go along you go do you know what I had an impact I had an influence um, and that matters you know um, so everyone can't win trophies and, 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 and win Sam's and win Liam's and Madonna's and all these Talton's and all these different ones not everyone can win those so um, I think it's important for players to think about what success means to them when they're playing because that's different things and also when a player moves away from the game that people give some form of recognition to them because that player could have given 5, 10, 15 years you know to really help push on the, the inter-county game in their, in their county and you know, they may recognise it but it's important to hear others to say well done and thanks for everything I'm not calling out now people to, to give me thanks right now <laughs> from East GA, but it's, uh, I just think it's, it's important it goes both ways and um, I think players are getting better at understanding that as well. 
No, and I think like that's such an important point because, like, as you know, with your work with the Gaelic Players Association, and then I suppose from your personal playing experience, like that transition out of the game is sometimes something that challenges players as they kind of as they graduate to the next phase of their life when they've got to kind of process and digest their Atlantic identity and move forward. And of course, it's nice to have some sort of recognition or or just to help with the sign off. And I suppose in terms of like you announcing or any player it's it's like it's very much an individual decision like at the end of the day all amateur players you can do they can do it in whatever way they want whatever way helps them kind of close that chapter of of their life and i think like, i remember years ago there was like in my main i hope i'm right in saying this i remember like brian o'driscoll like retired in rugby and like he got the whole send off and there was pictures on the sideline and he kind of got to like walk walk away from the game on his terms and then i remember kind of paul o'connell at the same time i think he like ripped the hamstring off the bone he was like carried off the field and it was like two completely different ways that a playing journey was ended and you touched upon it there so i was going to ask like do you have that sense of like peace or joy that hey I got to live my life. I got to live my experience, and I'm signing off on it on my terms. Has that helped you close that chapter, Colin? Yeah, I think so. I think in general terms, I think the the one thing I would have loved to have played the last two years with, with less injuries. A few injuries definitely happened me from playing games, and 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 the thing is, when those happen, then you go. Sometimes you might go. Oh, I'll go one more year. I'll go one more year just to try and get you know maybe sign off with maybe a better year. You play more games, but again. I think if you look at the overall journey of it, Alan, like it's, I had a good one. You know, I, I had a good one. I played for a lot of games. I was probably fortunate enough to play some other ones, you know, and, and get away with it because of maybe some of the reputation I built up over the years. Um, and I think when you look at the overall picture, I said, look, yeah, I'm happy. You know, there's definitely everyone. Everyone like Brian Justle would definitely say change things, and all these players would would have changed things if they could. There's loads of different things I'd love to do better. Or have changed and made different, but in the general scheme of things, I think um, I could sign off on relative my own terms. You know, I I'd made the decision to go. I could have went back in. I decided not to go back in. So it was my decision. And and when you do that, and like you said, some some players like some players need different things. You know, some players would benefit a lot from writing down. Like like some people said, I think I don't know who was saying about statements from players, but. The statements from players isn't looking for accolades or not looking. It's more so for them just to kind of sign off on, like saying thank you to everyone who's involved in this. It meant this to me, you know. I think more times it's just for them to kind of get it out there and speak it. You know, some players don't. Some players just need to say like I'm tired and I'm happy with my career and that's it. Um, but I think understanding and doing what it does is important. We see it with players. You know, I think more and more players are getting better at that. Um, you mentioned transitioning out of sport, like, and it's it's in, in all sports, it's difficult enough when you've put so much of your life into something. But I think players are getting better at that. Intercounty players are getting better at that. They're trying to balance their lives a bit more. COVID has an impact on that. You know, people have recognised that. You know, sport isn't to do all around all. It's important, but maybe we need to rebalance things um, and make sure we're not losing out in other parts of our life. So I think players seem to be, from what we're seeing even with my work, is that they're trying to balance their career a bit better and their relationships in those sort of areas so that when they do come out of, of playing in their county, that it's not a, a massive whack, you know, that, oh, it's gone from me and I have nothing else. Players have plenty more going on um, and just recognising that it's important and now there's a new stage of, of, of your life. So um, it's good to see that because it, it, it can be... It can be 
difficult for, for people, and I, I'm sure in all sports, I know I spoke to other athletes, you know, athletes who go to Olympics, you know, and the Olympics are over, and it's a very clear one. It's very difficult for them then to move on, you know, from that after putting so much time. So, um, yeah, for, for, for me, Alan, it was, it was an easy enough one. I didn't have any lingering concerns, really, at the end of it. There'll always be moments where you question, and I'm sure as I go along, I'm like, maybe two years' time, like, lads have always told me, play as long as you can, you know, and I, I see, like, you know, Ross Munley's been playing for 50 years, I'd say, that's his stage, but, you know, <laughs> and I asked him, like, he's always the kind of, kind of person who, you know, if he thinks he can give value, or if he, if he feels he can go and play at the level he wants to, he'll commit to it, and, um, that's very admirable too, you know. Um, a person who's given loads of his, like, massive amount of his time and, and life to, to the game. So, um, I think players have different reasons for staying or for going, but it's individual at all at all times, you know. And what's important to them? Not totally. It's and like you know, you you said the word overall journey there, Colin. When when you reflect on that, or when you as as we're talking through it now, and what are you most proud of from? from your time as an athlete? I was always, it's kind of strange, I would have always been proud of the way I went about how I trained and how I committed to training. I always thought it was kind of one of the guys who tried to give everything within it, energy-wise and, and, and commitment-wise and intensity-wise. Um, and I always, I always felt I was a pretty good team in his regards, selfless enough to try and help out with players. Um, like, just individual things, I suppose. I've been lucky enough to play for Ireland international rules, which is a massive thing. Um, I've won a few Sigersons, which which still is up there at one of the most, you know, one of the fondest memories with the guys I shared it with and the experience of that. I just think it's fierce value in those competitions, um, especially when the county is really serious a lot of times, you know. Um, club, I've been lucky enough to win a county final with a club or two of them as well. So I've I've kind of hit off a lot of the marks, you know, and. And then for Leash, like it's, I said, I've, I've played in all the tiers. And like, again, we kind of mentioned people need to figure out, players need to figure out what success means to them. Like I put the Division 4 league final win up there as one of the better moments for Leash because, you know, where we were at the time, we were, we were trying to rebuild and come out of a difficult time and we had players in there who were real committed. But, you know, we, we needed to get up and we won that and we had a great crowd at it. And for me, that was a really successful year because... Like, like I said before, we can't all be at the top tier all the time. And for us, that's what we needed. We got from Division 4 to Division 3 and back up to Division 2. So they're very proud moments, Alan. It's, it's, it's hard to put, um, thankfully, it's hard to put a, a finger on, which is my proudest, um, for different reasons at different times. I've, I've been lucky enough to be involved in a lot of achievements, but uh, it's, uh, th- it's good to have them. You know, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to have a few of them. So... I'll, I'll, I'll keep all of them there as, on the top tier, I suppose, and, and just be thankful I got them. Yeah, and like you mentioned the like the Division 4 League final there is like a perfect example of like at the end of the day, one team every year wins the Sam Maguire um, and normally like they'll get all the credits, the attention is around them. Uh, but I suppose like there's just, as you said, there's such a bigger picture going on there every year where there's like hundreds and thousands of, hundreds if not thousands of players around the country all at different parts of a journey, all doing it for different reasons or probably having to view success in a different way. And like I feel like as part of this conversation, it's important that anyone listening to this knows that, that you know, like someone that's, if he is in the Division 4 team in any given year, um, like the the work they're putting in, for very much like 
for a love of a sport and the love of a game. And I, I suppose you mentioned the International Rules Series there, which is basically, you know, for anyone who doesn't know a series where best of the best from all over Ireland gets pulled in together to represent the country against Australia in a, what would you call it, a compromise, compromise rules, I think is the technical term. But like I read the other day that like you were only one of six players that have played 12 or more times for Ireland in that series. Like something like that must make you really proud to have had that recognition and to be able to be acknowledged in that way, does it? It definitely does. Like, like I always said it when I these things, people mention international rules, and there's probably there's probably debate about you know its importance or where it fits, and from from not from the people who are playing it, but people outside, and I can I can get that. But for I always say this for any player, any athlete at all, if you get a chance to put on an Irish jersey in anything, you know, it's a huge honor, a huge honor, and. Uh, for me as well, like again, I I was lucky. Like you're 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 right in saying the best of the best, but like uh, realistically, when I came into that team, I wasn't up near any of those players that were playing really, like the all stars and stuff. I I was just fortunate that I obviously played Aussie rules, which uh, and went well with that for a while, and that gave me an opportunity to get into the international rules team. And I I felt like I took it pretty well for the first number of years, so it kind of gave me a spot. But 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 for me as well, like you know, I consider myself a good player, but there was some like. The real top players on those on those panels, you know. So to be able to go in and train with them and play with them definitely even gave me a bit of a boost and, and kind of going, well, mark yourself against these guys and see where you're at, you know. Obviously, you're not playing football still, but these are the top class players from all over Ireland. Um, so again, I got lucky in some ways, but felt I took the opportunity. And those international rules experiences, I know a lot of players have spoken to me about it, they also wanted to measure themselves up against, realistically, probably some of the top athletes in the world. I would rate AFL some of the top athletes with regards aerobically and skill-wise and 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 conditioning. So, uh, I know that's that's a big measure for a lot of players who played in that. Okay, well, I'm playing against a professional athlete. Let's see, let's see how I go against it. You know, um, so they'll always play a massive part in in my career. Um, and again, some great friendships built from that and some great memories from both sides, Australia and, and Ireland. Um, some some fun stories that probably I can't be repeated on this, I'd say, but uh, it's it's good to have that. Like, I go on. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe any other time, maybe a different show. But uh, it's, yeah, and like and even, even, even management who were involved in it, you know, like the bomber and stuff. And... Um, they, they they were great to be involved with in that sense too and having these people come in we had some speakers come over and speak to us as well during them for them and our presentation of jerseys and stuff so um, like it's it's an opportunity obviously I was playing professional but an opportunity to go away for a weekend with guys in, in that professional mindset and I think everyone loved that because like despite us being amateur the level of professionalism um, that we probably perform in the county is, is up there to that level too and Thankfully, we had some good wins, some poor losses, but some good wins. Um, and those fights, like, I remember actually talking to someone about recently, they were asking about international rules, will, will it come back? I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it will come back. Like, uh, I'm not sure. They might bring it back maybe as a one-off thing every few years. Um, but the uh, the fighting, you know, just fighting in inverted commas. So there was a few hard ones, in the world, but, like, I remember um, playing in it, in my first one, um, and uh, I shockingly bleached blonde hair from a from a stupid stupid fo- footy trip I was on before coming over but um these rows broke out in the middle of the field and actually Michael Voss was was uh, was playing and 
he was going to be my new manager at Brisbane Lions. He's the new coach. So I remember the scuffle broke out. I turned around to grab someone. There was Michael Fass. And we, we both looked at each other and probably thought best to, to avoid and find someone else and just make <laughs> off somewhere. But, but they, uh, they brought some excitement to it. Like I think I know people are saying it's disgraceful, but I think like the crowds were huge at those games because even though there was a few hard hits and stuff, the, the fighting was more so probably a bravado, I think, in, in essence. I think a lot of players would agree with that. Some lads maybe had some hard hits and all some hard tackles in some games, but but it really lifted the, the intensity and excitement about it. I think um, the outside narrative maybe pushed away from them. I'm not condoning violence at all, but I think um, there was some handbag stuff of holding and dragging and stuff that really lifted the energy of it. I think maybe it was a bit lost in, in years to come, which, which is a pity, but um, still great times. I have the jerseys there still kept somewhere, I think, most of them, yeah. And um, a few jerseys that from, from, from Aussie players too, which will, which will hold on to and cherish as well. That series, Colin, like, like, I know what you're saying about kind of, like the bravado of it, and because like, it was kind of like a showpiece, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, and that's ultimately what it is. It was, um, it was a game to showcase the best kind of players on both sides of the world. And in some ways, it's like a perfect segue into the other chapter of your life where ultimately you got to spend I think it was five years in Australia was it as a full-time athlete like as a professional athlete four years four years over there yeah four years so I suppose then to kind of to jump into that like how did how did the opportunity come about and then was it a hard decision to to move away from home to leave Leash I know you'd say you just broken through to the senior team and that would have been one childhood dream I'm sure growing up but I'd imagine no new and kind of the attitude and application that you have also the idea or the possibility to be a professional athlete would have been a dream for you also I'm sure yeah for, for again again similar enough situation where any any, any athlete or player that was told had a chance to go professional in any sport would, would have taken that with their ripped it clean off it's always like probably heard the story of it before but like, there was just tra- some trials being brought about we, I was involved with a few other Leash players uh, Brendan Quigley and Craig Rogers in the under 17 international rules trip over to Amer- over to Australia um, for a few weeks and and over there a few scouts maybe and the, the kind of concept of Irish players was obviously there Ty Kennelly Steins uh, in quite as well and a few other boys even Anthony Hall was over there back in the early days too and I believe would have made it only for a broken leg he, he suffered for, but but um, the kind of, these trials were starting up a bit more again and, and Australian teams were interested in looking at Irish players so we ended up going down to Limerickford and, and we did the trials there for two days Mary Clark was actually involved in that trial well he couldn't couldn't trial at the time he was injured but um, and obviously he went on to do really well um, but it, it was was it a hard decision no, they actually I think were looking for Brendan Quigley to be honest uh, I think I was I, I was taken over on the back of Brendan because I think he was the main target <laughs> as he was he was an unbelievable fielder of the ball he was six foot you know four or five quality player like really dominant in, in, in minor and I think they said look we'll bring over Colin just to keep him company and make sure he doesn't get homesick but it was it was it was good like it was decision was it was offered to me I remember being in UCD at the time and I was, I was doing an arts and business degree or something in DCU or UCD sorry at the time the kind of guy who didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do but I was in college had a scholarship so things were looking alright over here for me like you know in college playing with seniors scholarship there so when they rang me and offered me the contract like I was I was kind of only saying yes on the phone but obviously I had to run it by family more so and the two brothers were and the sister were like go for it they were like, yeah, 100%, don't worry about it. The father was a little more as as he would be parental and he's like, look, let's consider this. And 
Tavares from Kerry, so we, we kind of got in touch with Ty Canelli just to kind of get some concept from him and Ty, in fairness to him, um, brilliant guy and met up with him down in Kerry and he spoke about it and he ran through exactly what happened to him and the pros and cons and after that meeting the father was much more supportive of it. He said, look, give it two years and give it a rattle and whatever happens, it's it's a positive, you know, come back hopefully with some money saved. I don't know if that happened, but come back with uh, experience and, and you're, only, you're only still young, you know, so took the opportunity and went over to Brisbane and like it was an amazing experience, you know, it really was um, something I loved. I, I loved training, I loved playing and, and this is my life. So um, three years at Brisbane, tough third year with injuries and then got another year at St Kilda and and again another tough year because I think they went on to win 20, 20 games in a row. Um, so we only got we only got one game, well two games that year, but one game to play that year um, and then the contract wasn't there. So to go to another team, I was like, I don't know, can I start going there? Is it, is it right for me if I haven't got the chance there now? A second team, third team could be too much. So took the opportunity to come back home then. But um, but again, like four years of your life, it was a massive part of where I am now and how I developed and some friendships from there too. Um, and again, some stories that can't be repeated here. It's a, so. In what way, Column, did that experience, and it's such a, like, you talk about, like, how the number of people all over the world who would get to like be plucked from their home place to go and play an entirely new sport ultimately um, that you wouldn't have grown up playing that you had no experience of you, for, to be given a professional contract to, to really just get an opportunity to experience something that you know most kids growing up in Ireland wouldn't even like wouldn't even come on the radar for example and, and I suppose how did that because you touched upon it there how did that experience mould you and kind of how did it add value to who you are today and to the character that you are? You probably, you probably don't realise exactly but the obvious things of how it moulded me, maybe your character, maybe your, how, how you build resilience a small bit, um, those obvious things I think when you go over to there and you're taking on a challenge of any sort away from home. I wasn't too much of a, I was a home bird, I like, loved home, but I wasn't too much of a guy to get home sick. Um, Thankfully, I'm a bit of an extrovert as well, so I don't I don't find it hard to really engage with new people and new places. And and the, and the club were made like Brisbane and St Kilda. To be fair to them, like I think a few clubs were bringing players over, and there was definitely a different gap between how the clubs looked after players. I don't mean looked after in amenities or whatever, but I mean actually like put their arms supporting around the player them. And, and yeah, supporting them. And, yeah. and Brisbane were excellent. They really were like the home family. They put me in the house with for a while. Um. And even just the players themselves, you know, and Brisbane were coming off the back of a really successful, but they're still up around there, so they didn't have to like mind the Irish guys, but they, they did. Uh, I found Brendan was Brendan was injured. He, he did his collarbone, so that was very difficult because like I could just throw myself, immerse myself into learning this new game, you know, constantly skills and you know a gym program for a young guy like that's being coordinated. It was unbelievable. You know, all these different things, hot and cold treatment rooms, and so there was all this kind of new stuff. I was just throwing myself into uh, and new friendships like uh, you know there was obviously guys who come from maybe West Australia as well and I remember a guy now and I haven't spoken to him in a name, but Luke, Luke Forsyth was a guy who came from West Australia and we ended up living together for a while too a great guy and he was obviously similar situation just a longer distance for me but same situation um, <clears throat> so the experience how did it mold me I just think there was a few things you learn one one being able to go somewhere new 
and this goes for anyone traveling and, and 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 meet new people and engage with new cultures like even though Aussies are kind of similar in a lot of ways but like that was a massive thing for me and gave everyone anyone who goes travel at a young age definitely comes back in a better spot because you can get caught up in the home thing the whole time you know um some of the people I met characters I met players I met shaped the way I trained and played in sports definitely um you know, like I was playing with some amazing players, Michael Voss, um, Simon Black, you know, uh, Nigel Lappin. I played with some, I was very fortunate in Brisbane. I played with, like, they were a triple premiership winning team. You know, they were unbelievable players. Yeah, so they're and iconic figures of the AFL game, I- right? Iconic figures, yeah. yeah. Lee Matthews was, was the player of the century as the coach, you know, and, and I got to play with these guys. And obviously they were so good because they had such a, a mindset with how they ran the things, you know, how, how they ran their training, how they ran their culture. Um, so that was a huge learning, a great learning curve, say, as an athlete, you know, as a professional, as a sportsman. And the same continued on. Nick Rewalt as well from St Kilda. Um, oh, there's loads of other players over there too. DeSanto, um, Stephen Baker as well, who I lived with for a while. So those players, again, shaped how I played or how I trained, how I approached being professional or being an athlete. Um, and then, like, the obvious ones that I suppose like I said resilience it didn't all go well like there was moments when I was like I don't know if, if I'm cut out for it and not often good enough for it um, would it be easier to go home you know you, you, you mess up in games and you're like my contract's on the line here how do I how do I lift from that so those experiences whether easy or hard were would have shaped me unknowns to me at the time like you know you can't think back in it but um I think I think also that like even when you're over there as a player they, they put you through a little bit of kind of a programme you know like about different things about networking about uh, public speaking about different kind of things about fixing your car and, and general living those kind of things even though it sounds very simple when you're on your own you kind of are put into those things sooner rather than later so I think they've helped me with regards my career down the line whatever work I work in um, and it was a yeah, it's, it's an, it was an amazing four years um, that really, I think back in the now, it's like, it feels like I'm like that, you know, like a snap of the finger and so long ago. But um, I'd love to go back there now at some stage and, 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 and try and get it back with the lads and, and engage them again. Um, and also the like the AFLPA were, were a big part of it over there. So like it's funny, I'm obviously now involved with GPA, but... The AFLPA is when I kind of first saw like Players Association and a big conversation. I remember actually uh, being in Brisbane and they came in about uh, some kind of key situation they were looking at as players needed players backing and and support. And it was actually Chris Scott and Brad Scott from Brisbane who were very intelligent men, both managers now, both coaches now, very intelligent men. Were really good with us too as regards putting the hand around the young lad's shoulders, but. You know, I remember them sitting sitting up and and saying like having a good go at the situation and speaking their minds and and it's going I'm sitting back going Jesus like you know oh bless my God like this is serious and but how that then evolved from the players association taking that and pushing the narrative then with the association because that's when I saw I suppose that's part of why I'm involved with GB the the AFL were shown the value of players obviously it's a professional sport the 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 TV rights are. Two billion plus, and and that's how they pay the players, and it's the different here. But but I remember saying like that, you know, even the Aussie players were like, and you don't, you don't get paid at all. And I said, no, I don't get paid. Just we just play for the love of it. And so I think 
recognising the value of players and, and the power of players was important to me. Unknowns to me at the time, but I think important. And that's why the opportunity came to play, was work with GPA. I was like, yeah, because I think it's important that we support the players as best we can. If we have the capability to do so, why wouldn't we do so? But that's probably a bit further on the conversation, maybe. Yeah, I suppose I'm definitely going to kind of going to link to there in a minute or two. But I suppose just as a kind of reflect on what you've said to me, just their column of the experience in Australia. And I feel like it's so easy for someone to go like look at a Wikipedia page and go, this guy went here, did this. Got, I know you got club rook, rookie of the year in 2007 with Brisbane. Like, and it's very easy to go, oh, that's all great. He must have been a freak. He must have been like brilliant. Um, but I think it's important to acknowledge the the challenges and you used the word resilience there and the, I'm sure, ways in which you were tested as a as a person. And I think the obvious one that jumps out to me was like, so you go and it sounds like you fully commit to this experience. You really, you really double down and go all in on the chance to be, to be a full-time athlete. But then obviously injuries hit hard and then... Yeah, the flip side of professional sport is you got cut from the Lions in 2009 so I suppose I'm just curious is that kind of window of injuries and then being released how that was for you mentally having given so much to, to put yourself in a place to succeed there yeah it was, it was a tough it was probably the hardest time uh, because it was um, things were going pretty well in Brisbane leading up to that um, the third year Went out, started off really well in the third year, like five games. I was scoring actually even in a few, you know, best and fairest. We went into the club and it was going quite well. I had like, I got, I got 16 or 18 games in the in the second year. So it was, it was, it was pretty solid to move into this. I tore my quad, my rec fam, um, so it's around a five, six week usually injury and around that. But we, we did it when I came back before getting back in. So I was out for 11 weeks. So a bit concerned with it, but... Lee Matthews, I, what I believe, was happy enough with how it was progressing. He was the coach and was was kind of, look, we'll have, have, get him on again. Let's, let's keep him going for, for another while. But um, he left as coach. He retired as coach and Michael Voss came in. And from the conversation we had, to be fair to Voss, um, his consideration was we had a lot of players similar to, I suppose, me, a half-back flank running player. Um, but I had the less experience, um, probably the bigger risk got. This, it, it's a business in the end too you know like it was um, they make decisions and, and sometimes players can be unfortunate so when that happened uh, I remember coming to the, the club in the morning I remember I remember going to go to the gym session it was off season basically I was waiting and then one of the coaches uh, called me in uh, Craig Lambert actually his name is uh, Lammy a former player of Brisbane Lions uh, a brilliant guy. Um, he did a lot of work with Iron players. Who, he actually used to have dinners in his house on Thursday for any player who wasn't from the local area. The lads would come in. And his uh, his wife would cook up uh, unbelievable um, chicken parmesans and and some like loads of full spread. So we used to go over there with like twelve or thirteen people. But um, those kind of things as well are, were, were really important to have for 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 all players. But he spoke to me about it first, um, probably because I, I knew him and he wanted to kind of talk to me on it, but. He told me the situation and I remember being told and being quite stunned like because I, I thought from what I was from what was the conversation we were going on I had a contract again for, for whatever amount of years we were going to re, renew the contract. So I remember actually going down to the gym still and just started working out and I, I broke I actually rang the father uh, about it pretty well up and a few tears because 
in your mind you probably you probably thought it was a failure straight away there you hadn't achieved what you wanted to achieve and and the immediate thing is like oh it's over um so I spoke to him and and, and thankfully he as all dads do refocused me and, and and said look whatever happens it wasn't it was a success and you've done well and be proud of yourself and same then I spoke to one of the brothers as well he kind of called me afterwards um so initially it was it was pretty heartbreaking you know um but as as all happens you you get on with it I still stayed in the gym because I wanted to just keep my mind off it and got out of that and kind of went home and I, I think about things and I actually heard of two other players who'd been delisted too that I knew so I, I rang them just to say look terrible to hear the news and we got together and we had a coffee and that was actually nice to do because you know surrounded by people in similar situations you know probably feeling the same things but it was um it was tough and then then I look forward you know well is there options and I heard there was potentially options from uh, other clubs who were interested um and then suddenly it was from a bad situation to a new opportunity potentially you know and um I went and trained with Collingwood for a few weeks because they were interested uh trained with them for two weeks and training went really well and on the day of the draft uh, or day before draft St Kilda actually rang me and said we're interested as well in you so it was down to who got the first pick and St Kilda decided to pick me and um new lease of life and a new new environment and new players and um I actually remember I got very fortunate I got to live on on Beach Road there in Melbourne with a few of the guys top guys and they were living in absolute mansions <laughs> from there and down and down in accommodation to, to, to less and less I, I started off too big I should have started off in somewhere else but I, I lived with Stephen Baker and, uh, and Zach Dawson um, two of my housemates in, in Brighton so I can't complain if you know where Brighton is it's, it's, a, it's a quality place and uh, and um, Again, made some great friends there. Sam Sam Gilbert, who was an Arab player, young player, um, quality guy, and uh, like I said, it was a new opportunity. Again, the year went really well for the for the for the club, but we didn't go so well as regards getting an opportunity for me. We, we went to somewhere else. Well, probably not because I, I enjoyed it so much there, but maybe it would have been better to go to a, a mid tier team and try and get more games. And these are things you can think about afterwards. But you know, you can look back on a thousand decisions and when you're over those things and go. Could have done it differently, definitely. Like, you know, I invested myself, could have done recovery better in some ways, maybe you could have, but it's all, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think I wouldn't, if you'd tell me now, would you change things? I probably wouldn't change it for the world, you know, I think with all the experiences and memories I have. Um, that being said, if I could get a 12 year contract, it would have been great, you know, to somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and then how was the decision and kind of that time around? when you move home column was that was that difficult was that challenging was it something you wanted like obviously you get cut from Brisbane you go to St Kilda you have a year there talk to you about kind of that kind of inner if, if it's conflict of stay try and get another team or I want to go home just kind of where is your head at at that time yeah the the um trying to get another team probably didn't I heard potentially there was some teams it's just about I was probably probably hit fully in the head then like I was kind of like demoralised and like oh Jesus maybe it's just maybe I'm not up to the level of it or or maybe things haven't gone my way either one probably didn't go my way it was probably the easier one to take at the time you know but um, so I said look what's what's available what's the options back home and look, for me Parnell's one of the guys who were involved from Shabby was involved in Parnell's and they actually had they were building a new complex and they had jobs available for guys who could go play with the club so that was an opportunity for me where I could go to Dublin there's some college courses I could look at 
I could get a job up in Dublin, work up in Dublin, be based up there. And that kind of made it easier because I wasn't coming home to nothing, you know. And also, I lived in Brisbane and lived in Melbourne for, for four years, two big cities. I think it would have been difficult if I had to come back, not to didn't want to come back home, but to come back to home, Port Leash, well, Stradbally, where I'm from, Stradbally, where we were living in Port Leash at the time, the family. So that would have been, I think, difficult because it would have been such a drop, you know, from energy or from possibilities regards, you know, socialising, meeting people. So because that was available to me, it kind of made things a little simpler to go, look, I'm going to come home, but there's something I can come home to potentially. I have to meet up and discuss and, and have a chat about changing over and obviously Shabby disappointed but again Shabby like my club Shabby were so supportive when I went over and when I came back obviously would love to have had me back there but understood the situation understood the opportunity up in Dublin and me going to college and as well in DCU so um, it probably it probably didn't seem difficult because it was all go at the time you know and I think the biggest thing I was just probably going to miss friendships worried about the um the gap in distance and, and, and losing a bit of touch with people. That's probably, honestly, what probably I was going to miss the most because I'd built up such great ones. Um, and when you get home, then your things weren't solidified. So you had to kind of make sure we had things sorted or your plan was in place. And, you know, do we go get a degree? Um, yeah, I may go to get some education. How to, you know, what's I going to do into trade? So there was enough going on that it kept me kind of moving forward in some senses, if you know what I mean. No, for sure. And like, Obviously, you you do come home, Colin, and you and you regroup and you reset. And I know DCU is a very good landing spot for you, um, and you're obviously able to re-engage with the lease setup. And like, as we've talked now through, suppose the course of this conversation from going all the way back to like the All Ireland minors back in the very early nineties to make your lease debut under Mikko to then get that experience in Australia, which we just talked about, to come back and then have a whole nother decade of inter-county football and kind of resetting your life here. And kind of leading us all back up today, I suppose, how have those two, both the GAA and AFL experiences, like how have they, I suppose, how have they combined in a way that lets you kind of make the biggest impact you can in your role now which I mean I know I've mentioned it at the top but you, you're the GPA player welfare and engagement manager correct so how how did those two experiences combine to let you serve in that role like I said my my, kind of, my life has been very much orbiting around sport you know, either playing it or influencing it and I say influencing because I was, a, I was a GDA for a few years at Leinster with the leash but with based at Leinster GA. And that was very much about promoting sport participation, developing levels of of of, of coaches, and and trying to just improve the level of, of of GA games in the county. So that was really strong as well to have that involvement and in underage and have that influence, which I really enjoyed. Um, I mentioned before about when I was over in AFL, recognizing the value of players. So I've I've always I've been one of the lucky players throughout my career. Like there's been luckier, obviously, but I've been lucky enough to get opportunities and to play a county, to play regular games and win some things and have great memories and relatively injury free through the year. But like there's there's so many players given lows. I often thought players were given more than are getting back. If I'm being honest, I kind of thought, you know, players are given loads, taking loads of time from them. Obviously, you're playing for a county, but it's not always perfect and not always easy. You know, sometimes there's a sense of responsibility on players to do it. So 
So when I got the opportunity to get involved with GPA, that's why I wanted to try and improve. I wanted to try and improve the environment for players. I wanted to try and make sure players weren't missing out, weren't getting caught up in the, having been through half of my career at that stage, or maybe even two hours of it. Um, they didn't lose out on other things, you know, that they're trying to balance their life and they were getting what they deserved. Um, recognition, support, you know, in that sense. So having been involved in, professionally, having been involved in my own career coming through, it, I suppose, set up my values and what I thought we should be doing within the GPA. And thankfully, I've really enjoyed the last three years, almost three and a half now at this stage. It's given me a great opportunity to work with like-minded people in the office who are very passionate about what they do. Um, sometimes sometimes the outside perception of the GPA is very different to what goes on, on the inside. Um, but the people I work with are very, very passionate about what they do and only out now to help players. So... I feel in love with that and I think then it allowed me to maybe push some of the things I thought were, were important with regards how players should be looked after. Um, I don't mean like I mean to pay the lads and get professional, I just mean that we have a fantastic association of GEA uh, and, and now we're also looking to bring in the female players which is brilliant, you know, I think integrate them into it because they play a huge role and you see the AFLW now, how well that's going over there with, with the AFL, that's another kind of example of what could be done. But I think um, if we can, if we can, if we can support the players, if we can help them, these are club players, they're college players, they're county players. If we have the capabilities, why wouldn't we? You know, these are pillars within communities, and 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 I'm I'm not saying they're like club players are the same, but like we obviously can raise funds from the intercounty game. Um, and I think we should be using them to build clubs, but also support our players as best we can. That's what we try and do. Our, there's no ego in here. There's no hidden agenda. We're just trying to make sure we help the players, help the people that are involved in the county game as best we can. So um, my experience from the last few years, from, from my double career, whatever you call it, has definitely helped identify, I think, areas that could be a, a focus area for us. You know, that I think have been done well, maybe in professional levels or... or, or concern areas for us um, what are they Colm well like you know you see about the AFL were very big about making sure players you know obviously they're professionals so their, their their job and their life is very much focused on playing but they, they wanted them to look outside that as well try and try and get involved in something away from the sport if you can you know keep your relationship strong um, you know there's also the welfare of players whether it be physical or mental which they are looking at now that it, it you know, there's other things going on outside of the sport that need to be looked at and there's potential issues, addiction, gambling, mental health in general from different things um, that needs to be supported or practically supported as best we can and we're trying to do that. Now I think the, the whole environment in Ireland is trying to do that as well at the moment, obviously recognising the, the concern for, for people in tough times. So so those things are there. Um, and then also then the, 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 I suppose the, the dual career, the, the standards of, wel of welfare for players, the standards of care that players are getting you know um like are we looking after our players the same level in all counties and all codes maybe not and i think we need to get a, there's a lot of good groups now at the moment the sports science group and msw from the ga i think are focusing on making sure we have minimum standards of care for our players because whether it be physically or mentally if they come to the end of their career and they're in a much they're in a real bad spot from from giving their time to the county game we failed them really you know and there's obviously accidents that happen but we need to make sure our players are looked after to a certain level um, be it the quality be it the experience of, of who's coaching who's providing 
the SNC, who's providing the physiotherapy stuff. So those kind of things have, have come across from probably seeing what happened in professional sports and, and reading them back into this. Yeah, and, and those minimum standards of care, Colm, like, so I don't say you mentioned the S&C standards there or if it's management or coaching. What are the biggest challenges challenges that are impacting player welfare at the moment like you're obviously at the cold you're at the cold face of it now as well as your playing experience as well as your professional sport experience but what are what are those challenges and what do the GA and the GPA need to do better to negate those or to provide solutions for those yeah I think Alan if you if you look at it from say physical welfare and, and mental welfare whatever say London London but there's, there's also there's also a few different areas financial welfare as well which in the current climate is, is a is a concern like so say for physical welfare which is the most obvious one I think as I mentioned before you know we have probably some some counties who can afford maybe uh, really qualified or properly qualified physio or, or multiple physios or whatever and a really good SNC coach where the trainer doing is to a good level their loads being monitored and the care they're getting as a physio if they get injuries is top level. That doesn't always transcend the full way and we recognise there's going to be differences. in the, like So there will be differences obviously in some having maybe more experienced physios and, and maybe can afford better physio or, or maybe more of them or better qualified ones. But I think we have to look at well, what we have to have a minimum to make sure that the care players are getting is, 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 a, is a proper quality. You know, that not being left out or not getting care that doesn't help their injury in an adequate time. Facilities and support is there for them at the same speed as other counties are getting it as well, you know, and I think that's going to be a big thing for the male and female narrative as well, you know, that obviously the, the male players probably in most tiers and still not all, all counties getting it, but the, the level is definitely coming up as regards the care and and um, and the people that are working in the, in, in the, in the backroom team, but I think the female players maybe they don't have the same financial support in that area um, and also maybe the capabilities of, of getting the experienced people in with them. So I think there will be a giant collective from all national government bodies uh, as it stands at the moment, GEA, LGFA, Camogie, um, and ourselves and as well to go, how can we help improve this? And, there, and there's people who are working on that at the moment. They are pushing the narrative on it. I think it's just making sure we work together on it and uh, collective training find solutions. The mental well-being is probably just keeping an eye and, and maybe upskilling some people about how they can support players themselves, how can they spotlight us? We're, we're hoping to do, um, we're hoping to put forward a little bit of a programme, Mental Health Champions, where we have maybe players getting a little bit of a course about how they can identify maybe signposts of, of someone struggling and, and, and get that initial conversation going and direct them to professionals because we have seen horrible situations where, where some players have, there's a suicide, there's, there's depression, there's different things, addiction as well, that's transcending through sports, but it's obviously involved in inter-county games and we need to be really coherent about that. You know, there's a lot of pressures on people at the moment. They've been locked up for a large time. It's, it's had an effect on people. So that's definitely there. Uh, and then the financial, well, like financial welfare we talk about, I know it's something, it's probably a, a subsection, but like you know, we don't want players we don't have, want players having to pay money to play, you know, we want to try and support them. We mentioned the expenses and stuff and that's being talked about. You know, it's not players looking to get money for what they're doing, but they're giving a lot of time and a lot of commitment and in the current climate, you know, they probably need to be saving their money as best they can, not having to pay for additional costs. So can we support players with gear, expenses, food allowance, those kind of things that are involved in the county games so that's not taking away from their general life. 
I think we can. Um, I think we're, we've made a good step with it in the, in the male side and still improvements to make. But again, there will have to be a really strong push from, from everyone involved to, to bring the female side up and try and find a solution to help her. Cause, because we all want them to be looked at. Like if you were to speak to any of my club members or, you know, be it in the committee or in the people who are the, the volunteers, they want their players to be looked after, of course to do. Um, so I think if we can, I think we have the I think we have the capabilities to do it. Let's try and find a way to look after them. So there's loads of different areas, Alan. It's 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 a it's an ongoing thing, and I think we're learning loads as well as we go along. But if I was to say, it's just for players to be able to feel like they can reach out to us as well is important. You know, uh, we're here anyone in the office, uh, or even reach out to your teammates if there are any struggles because um, you know it's not easy when you're under pressure, be it physically or or, or, or mentally. That you want to make sure you have as much support clearly there as possible. Yeah, like, and you mentioned there, Colin, like the perception of the GPA maybe from from outside, uh, if it's in the media, if it's general public supporters, I suppose like 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 and been straight about it, like I know from as an individual myself, the, like the GPA do like a remarkable job at supporting players when in crisis situations or when they need support, like counselling, like addiction services, um, some of the issues we we discussed there, so. The supports that are there for like the cleanup are like incredible. Like I'm someone who's benefited enormously for them, but like, what am I hearing there that like what you're trying to do at the moment is to be more proactive about trying to get to the source of issues and actually push back there that maybe players don't maybe alleviate some of the stressors on players that cause them to kind of slide down a a well being or a welfare scale if that makes sense. Yeah, see, I think I think when the crisis ones are probably ones that are showing either either a crisis situation with a player or it becomes aware because people are involved in it. But but also usually what you see in the media is is the argy bargy or the um, you know fight for we want more money or, or we want this for our players and, it, and it's the way it's perceived in, or put forward in media is often a, we want more you know um, give us this. And it maybe maybe comes across wrong from from a perspective of the public seeing it, but like really, that's only a small part. I'd say a small part of what we do because what we're trying to do a lot of, and you probably know from a few players, like is we want to try to try and put the players in a better position as best we can, support them in what they want to do on and off the field. Um, we do like Ian and Jenny here in the office do a massive amount of coaching sessions with players, like one to one coaching about what do you want in life. Okay, I want this. How are we gonna get there? How can we help you with that? Either A, giving you a bit of an action plan, but B also the support you need to make it possible. I think um, we we probably need to get better about sharing these stories. But I think uh, it's great to see players when they talk about it because, like again, I keep on saying this to people, but there's no hidden agenda here. It's not. We're not trying to drive some massive like, gap in between the associations. We are honestly just looking to try and help players as best we can. Um, we try and look at the areas they need the most support in and, and everyone at different stages of life needs different support but you know we have these new programs we're putting forward Bio360 which is a new, a new development program we're doing with, with people where they look at areas of their life skills their dual career their their well-being transitioning from different areas whether it be from, from college to you know to actual employment whether it be from transitioning from sport so we make sure we try and target as, as best we can the full circle or full journey of a player 
and help them as best we can. Those well-being things we have, we have charters in place, we have expenses, we have, we have counselling. They're all really important and they're all ongoing. But like you said, we're, we're trying to be a little bit more proactive in not holding the player's hand, but giving them the support for what they need to reach their goals. And often it's for off-field stuff because we found and you know, if your off-field development or your off-field focus is, is really good, if you're in a good place off-field, whether it be in your career, whether it be in college, or it be in relationships, whatever it might be, it always, always nearly has an impact positively on your on-field because you're in a better place. And um, like I said before, personally, um, I just want to make sure players aren't throwing themselves fully. I don't mean not committed to playing, but like only their sport. Like they get caught up in 10 years later to go, what did I miss out on? You know, so there's um, things structure you look at, fixtures and the split season and stuff and trying to make changes there. Um, currently working on a, on a contact hours policy with some people from the GEA and supposed to maybe trying to identify times you can give time back to players, how we can work that environment better, how we can make the training environment a better place where we're not taking loads of time off guys and, and girls, we can give it back there somewhere else. So there's loads going on. Um, I think we just need to do, maybe do a better job about sharing that and, and getting that out there about this is what we're trying to do. Um, we're trying to support your club mates. You know, they are club members. Everyone thinks county players are just county players. It seems to be that always the case. But they pay for the club. They pay for the county. They pay for the college. They're involved in all aspects of it. And they're usually, I think everyone from every club will say they're usually good people that are trying their best. So why wouldn't we support them, you know? No, totally, Colm. And it's like, um, just as I look to wrap as we look to wrap up this conversation like I feel like I think there's an openness there and acknowledgement for yourself from like a GPA point of view that one there's a lot going on in a good way and you do so much work but also that there's certain things that you know you need to do better and that there's lots of fights or lots of battles that you need to keep continuing to to make players lives better both on and off the field and that's a body of work that's going to have to happen over a period of time it's not going to just wake up tomorrow and it all be sorted you know um but kind of what I was going to suggest just as a finish up was you, you mentioned BO360 there. Would you do me a favour and just repeat the four pillars of that programme again for me? Yeah, four pillars of BO360 are, are life skills, dual career, well-being and transition. And we need each one of those pillars are different kind of programmes we have or different kind of supports we have that focus primarily on them. If you, if any player is interested in it, you can get to touch with Ian and Jenny um, or anyone in the office who will link in with them as well but usually what's involved is an initial conversation uh, whether it be face to face or, or a phone call to look at what your focus is and sometimes people don't really have an idea exact idea of what to do sometimes very people are very clear but an initial conversation with Ian and Jenny can really open up an idea okay well do you know what I want to focus on this and it's very bespoke to the individual they can get a, a very clear plan or they can get you know monthly checkups whatever it might be but often you can dance into a few of those pillars you know and there's um it's a really fantastic tool. I, I've engaged it myself there for a bit just to obviously get an idea of I've done coaching before. But um, I think for any player who's just looking to maybe get some focus or, or even unsure about where they're at, give the guys a call, give us a call. Um, it's it's something that will add great value to it. Yeah, because I think just as like, I suppose the reason I asked is like over the course of our conversation today, we've probably touched on all those pillars in different ways, shapes and forms in your life and your journey. I know like this is episode nine of this series. I know over the previous eight, we've covered most of them probably per episode, certainly across all episodes. Um, 
And I suppose the last kind of word I was going to give to you was for any players, given kind of the chunk of our conversation was kind of around coming to the end of a playing career and transition out, for any players who maybe have just recently finished up or are considering retiring, what advice would you give to them? Um, I suppose, like, listen, there's, I, there's lots of players have been listening to this series. So if you have their ear now for 30 seconds or ever, what, what piece of advice would you give to, to that specific cohort of players? It's a little bit of a tough one. I'll I, I go with a personal rule first before I put my work hat on, I think. Um, I think everyone's going to be different individually, but I think um, I think talking about it, whether it be to family members or friends, is important because you, you may think you're in a good enough space with it or whatever, and you, and you probably will be or could be. Um, but just explaining how it feels to you, what you're thinking about, your concerns over it. I think talking to other players, we have a pretty good network now. I think a lot of players know each other from different counties. And any person I've called, any former player I've called is very open to having a conversation, pick up the phone. We did a transition programme a few years ago. We didn't do it because of COVID last few years, but it was just retired players coming together to, to look at their transitioning from the game and talk about their challenges they found, sharing their stories. And it was very, very powerful. And we're going to try and continue something something similar going forward. But I think um, engaging with those people will be useful, you know, just having a chat about it. Um, the closure thing is important. I think find some way it may just be some dinner for yourself and, and family or whatever else but I think sign off it recognise uh, recognise the value in it and celebrate the good memories in it I think is a really important thing as well um, the work hat comes on and I think as well if you are if you're someone who is kind of concerned about it or struggling with it give myself a call at any stage at all give me an email because um We've had players who've, who've went through a difficult time with it and come out in the end in a better place. And we have players who would happily share their stories as well. I think even sitting down with a transition coach or with one of the coaches here in the office could be very useful too to look at what's the next stage of your life. Because you're getting a lot of time back, often is the case, you know, um, where am I going to push that into it? And also, you've, you've probably not lost the passion, but you've probably, it's been a reduced amount of that time you've put into, say, inter-county and, and playing and that passion of yours and that spark. So there's rather than saying you're losing that you've now a chance to put that somewhere else I think if you can find another passion if you can have a hobby in place ready to go it makes it much easier so I think um, don't hold back if you're struggling with it link in with a friend family or friend or, or, or a teammate form a player somewhere else or just give myself a call on your stage very happy to take calls about and I think um, yeah I think it's important we celebrate these things and, and, and identify the value you've added to your county so that'd be my last word on it, I think, even though I haven't really done it great myself. I'm, I'm glad now I got to have this conversation. Even talking here about Alan has been been very useful, you know, because I think it has been a much better place too. No, I think that's the that's the perfect way to end today's conversation, Colin. So thank you for sharing your story on the player's voice. Thanks for taking me through that and giving us the insights on your career. And the very best of luck with everything you do going forward in terms of the work both for the GPA and I'm sure other interests you have and how your life will evolve. So Colin Begley, thank you. The Players Voice Podcast is brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. This series takes you inside the minds of some of Ireland's most inspiring athletes and has already covered a range of issues including concussion, gambling addiction, leadership, sport life balance, entrepreneurship, equality, diversity and retirement. Search The Player's Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer to listen to previous episodes with Tom Parsons, Chloe and Shane Amori, 
Kate Keeney, Louise Galvin, Con Kilpatrick, Neil McManus, Dean Siney, and Ashton Marr. And while you're there, you'd be really helping us out if you rated or reviewed the show. Don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's Bio360 program by visiting bio360.gaelicplayers.com. My name is Alan O'Mara, and to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant with sports teams and companies, please go to www.realtalks.e or follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.